This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. We'll get back to your music shortly, but first, did you know that prescription prices are different at different pharmacies? You could literally drive across the street and get a different price. That's crazy. But with GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices at every pharmacy in your neighborhood and save up to 80%. You're probably thinking there's a catch, right? Nope. It's 100% free and can save you money whether you have insurance or not. In fact, it can often beat your copay. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, here to detail for you the heartbreaking loss the Raptors suffered at the hands of the Portland Trailblazers at home, their first loss to a team this year, well I should say this season, that was below 500 in the standings, so they're now 19-1 and versus teams that are below 500, which was a sterling record, and uh, still is, but disappointing to see them drop one like that, especially since... The Blazers only led this game for, in total, 17 seconds. A heartbreaker, and sometimes Damian Lillard and a throwback game of sorts from Melo will do that to you, and the Raptors down quite a few players, as they have been for some time. I think it's reached 128 combined games the Raptors players have lost, or missed, I should say, so it's just a lot of injuries, and the Raptors really doing a good job of manufacturing offense even though they looked like they were in dire straits at different times throughout this game, but that really dried up at the end. The the Blazers got it going. Dame, the pick-and-roll game, getting himself loose for triples. Melo, you know, hunting shots on the weak side and eventually hitting the game winner. Tough, really tough to swallow. The Raptors, not much you can really do there besides just hope you hit more shots. There's a little bit of sloppy... I guess play calling towards the end of the game. Nick Nurse not making any offensive or defensive substitutes towards the end of the game. It seemed like that came back to bite them in the butt. But outside of that, the Raptors, they played pretty well for the whole game. All my game notes are almost, they're they are overwhelmingly positive. There wasn't too much to dislike from what the Raptors did tonight. It was just a barrage of triples from the Blazers down the, down the stretch. 
And even though the end is what everyone will focus on, this game did have a beginning and a good one for the Raptors. They were largely led by Lowry getting into the teeth of the Blazers' defense, which looked really bad for long stretches in this game. Lowry getting into the teeth, making really good reads, finding Ibaka on the roll, finding shooters outside, and just getting his own offense, just being a bowling ball heading down the lane, really doing a good job of creating for the Raptors who, outside of him, don't have a ton of creation. They even go to certain sets where they have McCaw initiate just to try and maximize Lowry off ball. So the Raptors, they are in a tough position as far as creating offense a lot of the time. Guys like O'Shea Brissett, Chris Boucher, really big in this game, not for their offense, but because of their energy defensively and what they bring on that end. And the Raptors, they need that, and they don't have any answers offensively really other than to rely on Lowry. And we did see that in the first quarter. And on the other side of things, the Blazers seemed really preoccupied with trying to get a post-up game going for both Hassan Whiteside and Carmelo Anthony much to the happiness of Raptors fans, probably to the chagrin of Blazers fans, because it was pretty easy for the Raptors to lock down. There's a reason the Blazers only scored 15 points in the first quarter. They were trying to run a lot of action through Whiteside and Mello. That wasn't working at all. That's a really bad move for the modern NBA offense. I don't know why they were doing that. It didn't have any dividends later on in the game. How they won the game later on was in the screen and roll. Uh, set with Damian Lillard and whoever's setting the screen at the time you just need Dame involved in that and early on they really did it felt like the Blazers were neutering their offense and the Raptors were really happy to stick on their guys and play a little bit of help side and double on occasion as they are wont to do you know the Raptors do like to double in the post and just cause a lot of turnovers get out on the run and try and sustain their offense that way and the Raptors you know coming out 24-15 after the first quarter they were able to do that. It was a good quarter for them. They even got some fantastic minutes from McCaw, Brissett, Boucher, Stanley Johnson, and Matt Thomas to close out the quarter. They went on a little run. And to have, I think, four of those guys, everybody outside of McCaw was playing in the 905 game yesterday. Brissett was there. Oh, not Boucher. Sorry. Brissett was there. Stanley Johnson was there. And Matt Thomas. So three of those guys were just playing in the 905 yesterday. But they're also now playing in a five-man lineup three-man lineup if you want to be super specific about the 905 guys and they're beating the Blazers over a stretch of time that's a huge indication of where the 905 is where the Raptors farm team developing stuff is but also of the Blazers compete level early on the Raptors they took advantage of that and they like I said earlier they leave the quarter up nine points 24 to 15 and in the second quarter we did see the Blazers a return to form offensively because they have been a good offensive team this year getting Damian Lillard involved in more actions, and Damian Lillard spraying skip passes across the court, using his gravity to create open looks for the rest of his team, also finding Hassan Whiteside on the dive, the Raptors giving up a little more penetration that way, that the defense kind of has to suck in a little bit, so the Blazers were finding themselves open on the perimeter a little more, so they did hit a barrage of triples every once in a while. I can think of a stretch of, I think, three minutes where they hit three triples, they scored 32 points in the second quarter, and the Raptors, they did their best to keep up with it, but when Lowry wasn't on the court, as far as threats to drive to the rim, they didn't have any because Whiteside isn't a very smart defender, but he is really long, he's really athletic for his size, and he can really get after it if he doesn't have to think about it too much. If he just gets to time it out and be a help side rim defender, that's good for his game. 
Lowry is really good at fending off those types of rim protectors with his in-between game and how he paces himself and his ability to stop in the middle of the lane and create and pass out of all these options. But other players like McCaw, Ananobi, Stanley Johnson, all of them, as soon as they break through the front line of the defense, they're headed right towards the rim. There's not much else thought going on. So Whiteside becoming more dominant as a rim protector for stretches in this game like that and the Raptors offense drying up a little bit but towards the end of the quarter things did break the other way with Lowry and they broke off a nice 9-2 run almost to cap things off there was a bit of confusion in the first half but the Raptors tried like hell to make so that the Blazers couldn't get a two for one the Raptors orchestrated two for one themselves with Ibaka getting free throws on the front end of it and on the back end of it Lowry drawing some as well getting a nice bit of a buffer going into the second half, up 56-46. So even though the quarter was definitely trending in the way of the Blazers, the Raptors, and kind of Lowry's indomitable will pushing them forward, keeping them ahead, and there wasn't much creation, like I said earlier on, outside of Lowry. Like I've said probably in the past, you know, I sound like a broken record over these podcasts, but there really isn't much creation outside of Lowry. He's doing so much for this team especially with Van Vliet out. Wow, it's it's really tough out there for the Raptors as far as creating offense. So that's that's where we're at right now. And when Lowry's in the game, the Raptors, the offense, able to get points. And that run at the end of the first quarter with McCaw, Johnson, Boucher, Brissett, and Thomas, that is huge for the Raptors. So they weren't able to recreate that later on. But that's the type of thing that the Raptors will have to rely on in these games with all these injuries because... It's You know, it's a tough spot, but they did go into the halftime up 10, which was definitely encouraging. And the third quarter was also, it was a good quarter for the Raptors. Lowry's still finding his way inside the defense, but this time finding shooters like Ananobi, who hit two threes in the span of, I think, one minute. And that's just Lowry really sinking the defense in, popping out to shooters, Ibaka hitting a triple. Things were trending the right way for the Raptors. They definitely they looked like they are going to run away with this one because they were getting decent shots while Lowry's on the floor. On the other side, McCaw playing Rover on defense. We're seeing really, really nice defensive efforts from him. Stanley Johnson hit a triple. O'Shea Brissett, he's a chaotic player. Boucher, chaotic player, but they fit really well in this game. Their ability to fight on the glass, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well, I should say. Their ability to fight on the glass and really put pressure on the Blazers, whether it's hanging out in the dunker spot or hanging out as a shooter or getting after it on the offensive glass and also being able to defend on the other side, really bringing a lot in that way, but especially on the offensive glass, really pressuring the Blazers, creating extra possessions. That's how the Raptors made it happen at the end of the game. It was just get more possessions because we need to take more shots because we don't have a lot of shot creators and we don't have a lot of shooters. They finished with 17 offensive rebounds to the Blazers 7. So that speaks volumes about Hassan Whiteside, A. And B, to the three people I mentioned, Boucher, Brissett, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, just adding so much to the Raptors that it's not about skill at that point. It's about will, and that really speaks to the Raptors, how they implement this culture into the younger players, into the 905 guys, and raise them up to be that type of player. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson obviously not fitting into that. But he's totally bought into the culture of the Raptors that Nick Nurse was talking about before the season when he said, ah, the new guys, they they don't have what it takes to compete with the team. They got to play better defense. Their options will come on offense. 
naturally that'll happen because the playmakers on the floor they gotta defend that's been happening and there was not a letdown defensively from any of those guys in this one and Matt Thomas he actually drew an ejection on Kent Bazemore uh, the common joke running around was that Kent should baze less I know it's pretty bad it's not my joke you can blame Blake Murphy Joshua Howe and Eric Kareen and Matt Schantz I think they all made the joke in the same span of 15 seconds so direct your hate towards them but Bazemore he uh he he did get fouled going up for a layup Thomas did undercut him a little bit there was a little bit of contact going up he definitely did get fouled he should got a foul call but Thomas there was no foul call Bazemore started freaking out and <laughs> they they ejected him so the the Raptors you know that seemed good but then shortly after that the whistle really seemed to change, and I, I'm, I don't want to harp about the whistle that much. There was just three calls in one half-court set for the Blazers, in which three fouls were called on the Raptors. Started putting the Blazers in a bonus. The Blazers, who were struggling getting offense to that point in this game, having their offense sustained by the free-throw line was really big in keeping pace with the Raptors and did end up setting the Raptors up to... Not to lose the game, but it, sorry, I should say it set the Blazers up for a comeback in that it was within reach. They had a conceivable amount of points they were behind that they could come back from. Not every team is Raptors. Not every team can come back down from 30. But the Blazers getting a, you know, a pretty decent whistle, getting a lot of free throws, and just a ton of fouls in a very short amount of time called on the Raptors. Threw a wrench into the pace of the game. Uh, it almost seemed like kind of a reset that the Blazers were building from that point in the game. And that thing started to trend their way afterwards. And I, I do think that's how it worked. And basketball is really funny like that. The way the pace of the game, the way the momentum of the game shifts. Everybody knows it's a game of runs. But that really was, I thought, the case in this uh, scenario. As the Blazers, they came out and they outscored the Raptors 32-21 in the fourth quarter. And basically what that was, was the Raptors not having a bunch of tertiary creators and that was a big problem for them Kyle Lowry can only do so much he had 24 points 10 assists he had to put up 23 shots which is you know this is a recurring theme Lowry has to put up a lot of shots for this team right now and he's the team really relies on him to be a scorer because McCaw is in the starting lineup OG Ananobi's three-point shot has fallen off a cliff. He's not as big from there as he used to be. You can't count on, you know, eight or nine points from the three-point line. Sorry, eight points makes no sense from the three-point line. You can't count on six or nine points from the three-point line every game from OG. You just can't anymore. Early on in the season, first 15 games, you really could. He was good for that. He was going to get a couple shots from there. He was going to knock a couple down. Right now, that's not there. Patrick McCaw... Not there. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, for what it's worth, was terrific and hustled his ass off this game. But that's not there. It has never been there. O'Shea Brissett hit a three. Pretty sure he hit two, actually. But it just, the gravity of the defense doesn't respect that. And they're taking shots in rhythm. And only when Lowry and Co. are able to create those shots in rhythm. Lowry's basically the only guy who's creating shots out there. And even as it came to the final whistle, we saw Lowry struggling to get a shot off for himself because there isn't any threats elsewhere not unless Lowry is passing them the ball in an advantageous position so the weight is very heavy on the shoulders of Kyle Lowry and the Blazers kind of got in tune with that they figured it out a little bit and on the other side of things Dame's getting loose they're running more pick and roll action for him his three-point shot is opening up other actions for the Blazers 
Mello, 28 points in the game throughout. You know, I said McCaw was having a decent Rover-esque defensive um, stint in the third quarter, but a lot of those points that Mello scored were on McCaw. And McCaw, while I think he is better suited for a Rover-type role on defense, guarding Carmelo Anthony, you know, a six foot eight, 225-pound guy isn't really in his wheelhouse. So it seemed like he was set up to fail there. And, you know, that's tough because he definitely didn't want McCaw guarding, you know, Damian Lillard because McCaw gets killed on screens. They wanted somebody who could navigate that better. But they also like McCaw's defense. I know Nurse does, so they wanted to stick him somewhere else. That ended up being on Carmelo Anthony, who was getting loose and sustaining a lot of the Blazers' offense throughout the night. The ball would funnel to him. He'd get a bucket. And, you know, credit credit where credit's due. Melo, he, he put the ball in the hoop today, and that's... He's a big part of why the Blazers won, and not only because he hit the game winner, but there was a lot else that he was doing in the game as far as scoring, not defensively, not rebounding-wise, but, you know, he, he was getting after it. He was scoring the ball, and that's what the Blazers signed him for. That's what they need him for. The same way that the Raptors are really in a bind right now where they need guys who can shoot, guys who can create, the Blazers found themselves in that same bind earlier in the year, and they thought, you know, hey, Carmelo Anthony, that's the guy we want to pick up. That's a guy who we think can help us out as far as creating and shooting. So they brought him on, and it you know it paid dividends in this game. And down the stretch, try as they might, the Raptors weren't really able to create offense. They were getting funneled towards the rim, and the the Blazers were big in there towards the end of the game because they, they packed the paint in some respect, and that's where I thought maybe we shouldn't have seen McCaw on the floor in offensive possessions. Also with him passing the ball, well, just turning the ball over on the Raptors' second-last offensive play, which led to the Blazers being able to take the ball and hit a game-winner with, you know, 13 seconds on the clock. I think when they started the play, they got to run their full action, gave the ball in the corner to C.J. McCollum, and then um, obviously Mel got the ball, hit a little step back right from the free-throw line area. He got to shed O.G. Ananobi, who was already... He was closing out. Melo attacked the closeout. So OG's a little bit off balance at that point in time. And, you know, Mel got the bump, a little step back, hit a nice little jumper. He's, he's done that for a long time in his life, and tonight was no different for him. And before that, you had Dame really shaking loose in screens, hitting these bombs from, I think one was from roughly like 30 feet, 31, 32 feet, and maybe even two from around there. He was hitting from way downtown. And the Raptors, it just ended up breaking their back some crazy shots and just not being able to score at the end but they did end up going down they did end up losing that game and it is a heartbreaker 101-99 and you know you kind of have to tip your cap the Raptors don't have a lot of options offensively there was probably a little bit of ingenuity left to try and engineer something with McCaw off the floor with somebody who's maybe a Matt Thomas on the floor to end the game something like that and you get to sub him out and put McCaw back on defense I'm not super sure that didn't happen but like I said, you know, you got to tip your cap. The Blazers, they came back in this one with some fantastic shot making. And that's, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. As for the Reggie Evans Award, I'd like to give to O'Shea Brissett. I thought he really, really brought it. I know Rondé Hollis Jefferson had a good game as well. But Brissett was, there's a lot of standout defensive plays from Brissett. And not even the flashy ones, but just being able to stand C.J. McCollum up or Damian Lillard up for a full possession and hanging on as a perimeter defender against those guys is really, really impressive. And it's something I keep seeing from Brissett is that he has that type of acumen defensively 
and he's long and he's really active. So to see that from him, really exciting. He also always brings it on the offensive and defensive glass. He's a long guy. He's a great leaper. You know, he doesn't have a ton of weight to him, but he's physical. There's a physicality to his game, and I was really happy with what I saw tonight. So I thought he really deserved that. The Mitchell Robinson Award goes to Hassan Whiteside. Um, if not for the lethargy that he showcases during the game, which I'm sure for fans is infuriating for his Blazers fans. So he is the antagonist in their life um, to some degree, I'm sure. But outside of that is how he tipped Rondé Hollis-Jefferson over on one of the last possessions of the game. An objective moving screen that didn't get called. Kind of tough. And, you know, he draws the ire of Raptors fans, of course. And, you know, rightly so. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I haven't seen him go down on a screen other than that this year. He certainly doesn't have a reputation as a flopper. And it doesn't make sense for him to be trailing Dame and suddenly be falling over. That's not advantageous to him at all. But Hassan Whiteside, you know, he, he jutted that hip out. He was moving and he, he clipped Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Jefferson fell over. Dame hit the shot, which was an incredible shot, by the way. Not taking that away, but... Dame, great play from Dame, illegal screen from Whiteside, and then, you know, the Raptors, that tied it, that tied it at 99-99, the Raptors didn't score after that, and Melo hit the game winner after that, so tough to swallow, but hey, it is what it is, he he wins the Mitchell Robinson Award. And the top quick reaction comment from BTV, Kyle Lowry for 47 minutes equals A, Kyle Lowry for final minute equals F-, minus. bad shot selection, didn't trust his teammates, that missed hip check and hack on Hollis Jefferson really didn't help either. Tough, tough loss. Go Raps. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I don't think that the final minute was an expression of bad shot selection from Lowry. I think that the Raptors necessitated his shot selection. I don't know if you recall, but Rondé Hollis Jefferson isoed. Patrick McCaw threw the ball out of bounds. None of those are his fault. And also, the Raptors drew up a play for him in which... Everybody knew the ball was going to him twice in a row, and he tried to force something. He was close to making a layup over Hassan Whiteside. As a six-foot guard, it's not super easy because Hassan was waiting at the rim, and the Raptors not really have not really having a bunch of shooters surrounding him. I don't really think there was many plays for him to make. He obviously saw it that he had to take it upon himself to make shots at the end of the game. The Blazers saw that, and the Blazers... You know, they, they got after him, but that doesn't mean that there was a ton of people open or that those were better shots because, as we know, ever since there's been the rash of injuries, the Raptors are not super good at shooting threes, especially in this game where you have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Patrick McCaw, and even though OG Ananobi hit two threes tonight, those guys in the starting lineup, and Serge Ibaka, who hit two threes tonight as well, none of those guys are good three-point shooters. None of them. So thinking they're going to space the floor for him, just not going to cut it. And as far as that last heave he threw up, which he almost made, I why would I blame him for that either? There's three seconds on the clock. Nurse drew up a pass from him on the inbounds and then a dribble handoff. He tried to shake loose, but the Blazers saw it coming. So he he put the shot up. You know, he did his thing. But he was, he was everything for the Raptors in this game. So I disagree with the F-minus, uh, resounding disagree. However, if you see it that way, that's that's okay too. You know, there's a lot of different ways to watch basketball, but I think I'm seeing the game right. Or I could just be an absolute Kyle Lowry apologist, which I probably am to some degree, you know, but 
When I see the game, I see nothing but good things from Kyle Lowry most of the time. Sometimes his shot selection can be crazy. That's when he's trying to draw fouls and he's flailing around. Like I was saying for the Brooklyn Nets game, the first half that Lowry played was horrible. His shot selection in that game was abhorrent. And it was one of the worst halves I've seen him play in quite some time. And it was him trying to draw fouls. It was him flailing everywhere. It was him forcing up shots. And I I said that that's what that was. That's not what that looked like to me towards the end of the game or the final minute of play. I think that he was on a team that couldn't create any offense that looked to him and said, please create something. And he almost got the ball in straight up over a seven foot one man in Hassan Whiteside. And he had Mario Hazania, who's six foot eight, lurking over top of him as he tried to launch a game winning three, fading to his left almost at a sprint. I I don't know. And Rondé Hollis Jefferson before that taking it on himself to ISO against Whiteside. The same play that Lowry did, except Lowry's better at the rim, and McCaw throwing the ball out of bounds. I don't see the fault with Lowry. That's just me though. Um Thank you very much for listening, listener. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Definitely stinks to lose this game. It's not fun at all. But we go on. I believe it's the Hornets next, and that's tomorrow. So you'll be hearing me once again. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day, and goodbye. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.